and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. We've no sad music to introduce this week's podcast. Um, sorry to disappoint fans of uh, when we do that. Um, only, only happy, only happy thoughts today. Um, joining me on this happy jaunt through Scottish rugby, we'll see how happy we are by the end of it. Um, it's Rory Baldwin. Hello. And uh, Sandy Smith. Good evening. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, as many people do, and get involved with the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Cami Black and at Scott Rugby Blog. That's the best way to kind of catch up as to when we're recording these things and get your contributions in. You can also visit the blog, as you should do regularly, which is scottishrugbyblog.co.uk for the latest news and views from the World Cup. Um, we are also on Instagram and Facebook as well, and you can email us, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, just like Mark Camburn. Uh, some of you may remember Mark uh, is a regular listener and regular um, reader of the blog um, who lives out in Bolivia. And Mark, I'm delighted to say, has just captained Bolivia in a couple of games against Paraguay. So congratulations to Mark. Um, we'll we he sent us through a wee match report, so we'll hopefully get something up at the weekend on that, so you can all um, catch up on how Mark and and the Bolivian national team are getting on. Um, you can also listen to us on Acast, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, where you can uh, leave us a review. Thank you to everyone who's left us five star reviews. We are very grateful. Uh, we haven't had any recent written reviews since the last ones I read out, but they were they were very enjoyable. So thank you very much for those. Um, we're going to start off first of all. Now we we always ask for crap call offs which is the section of the podcast where we get you to name and shame your teammates who have given dubious reasons for calling off uh, a game of rugby or calling off training. And um, We've had a couple this week. We haven't had any for a while. Um, Craig Simpson got in touch on Twitter to say from a few years ago, one of the, his players couldn't play a game because he was washing his kit from the previous weekend's game, which is fairly impressive. Um, wasn't washing the whole team's kit. That might have been slightly different. Um but the best one, and I think probably the be- one of the best one up there with the best we've had so far was Pennycook Rugby Club got in touch. The official uh, Twitter, so this is an official submission from them, uh, and I'll get I'll get Sandy to and Rory to adjudicate on this one. Um, <laughs> one of their props called off from the game on Saturday because he had tickets to the ballet. Yeah. That's got to be a lie, hasn't it, really? It must have been doing something much, much that's, worse. That's a hell of a lie. What's he been doing if that's the work? <laughs> you can only imagine what he was go doing. Go bigger, go home. <laughs> like you, could, you could believe it from a, you know, from a fullback or a winger, but a prop. Yeah. A prop. Well, I, I'm picturing him in the tutu. I asked... <laughs> I asked for details, because we're always keen on the details on this podcast. Uh, he went to see a Scottish ballet double bill called Spring, Dexterra and Elite Syncopations. Uh, the Scotsman gave it five starred, uh, stars and called it a complete joy. And the list gave it four stars and called it Woke, Fun and Funny. Um for those wondering, Elite Syncopations is a romp in psychedelic body-skimming costumes by designer Ian Sperling, each one hand-painted and patterned with arrows or stars and stripes, buttons and bows. Ragtime favourites from Scott Joplin, Joplin and his contemporaries are performed live on stage by a band 
uh, who've been given carnival costumes of their own. The choreography is inspired by the social dances of the 1920s, including the Charleston and the Cakewalk, and with the stylistic influences, including the silent movie routines of Chaplin and Harold Lloyd, Macmillan's dazzling characterizations are both witty and touching as the dancers flirt, dance, and vie with each other for the limelight in this uplifting ballet from one of the most innovative choreographers of the 20th century. Now, I say... On the one hand, I think it's, call off, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I think so. That sounds. I I, I would watch that. Um, and it's the twenty. You know, it's the twenty first century. We've got to. You know, and, and we're an inclusive sport. We should should be able to encompass all tastes. However, um, Penny Cook did lose nineteen ten to Livingston, so uh, for that he is unforgiven. I think. Oh yes, yes. So marginally. Yeah. <laughs> Penalty, penalty try in the scrum, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, yeah, let's yeah, do. Let us know. Oh, definitely. Then I, I think this finds all round if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in other news, because um, we always do the news first off, uh, we, we're not covering the Pro 14 in any detail over the um, over the the period of the World Cup, just because we have there's too much rugby and we haven't got the time. Um, we, we we may have the odd thing on the blog, um, but from a podcast point of view, we'll, we'll deal with it in the news. So Glasgow lost to the Cheetahs 48-14. Um, what are we thinking, Rory? Um, was Gregor Townsend um, wrong to leave Hugh Jones at home, maybe? Maybe he should have taken him to Japan and, and spared Glasgow. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I saw yeah, I saw about three quarters of the game, or in the second half. I didn't see him do very much of anything, but then none of Glasgow did very much of anything from what I, no. what I saw. But, I mean, the Cheetahs were, you know, were superb. They... They made uh, Glasgow look like Ireland, like Japan made Ireland look. Um, they were just, you know, everything they tried came off, and yeah, they were, they were superb. So, um, yeah, not 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 a massively strong argument for Jones' inclusion. I heard uh, Rory Hutchinson went quite well for Northampton. Yeah, is that not in like the Premiership B Cup or something? Oh, it could be, yeah. Who knows? A, a Cup. Yeah, I always Rory Hutchinson always we always hear that he does well. Um, yeah. Um, Everybody's always ready to tell us, eh? They are, yeah. Everyone's literally as soon as he plays the game, we get I get tweets saying Rory Hutchinson's played well. It's like, yeah, I'm not Gregor Townsend. Don't I don't I don't, I don't care. Don't no, me. Yeah, I've got no influence over the decisions at all. If I did, we'd we, we'd be very we'd, we'd we'd be doing much worse than we are. Um, <laughs> we never earn quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And um, more on that later. Um, and Sandy Ember won fifty fifteen. That was a fairly comprehensive. I started watching that game yeah. and then I turned it off to be honest because it was just, it was it was fairly comprehensive. I had other things to yeah, to catch up on. Some some good tries and and, and after the kind of early a wee bit sort of early nervy moments and the uh, zebra were really never in it. I mean they scored a couple of good tries of their own, but um, the, the Edinburgh's backs, believe it or not, were just fantastic. Yeah. They had a, Bennett and Scott played really, really well together. So, um, finally, hopefully, seeing something out of that that's uh, going to keep us going. Yeah, that was Ryan White uh, sent us a tweet on that, just saying it was uh, it was his hands in the ruck was the good performance by Edinburgh centres and the halfbacks. I mean, there's a parallel universe somewhere, isn't there, where Mark Bennett and Matt Scott are at the World Cup right now, aren't there? If they've done yeah. for injuries. Well, yeah. It would be alternative universe, Henry Fergus, obviously, in that universe. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> Um, in other news, uh, Scotland women beat South Africa forty-seven-five in Athlone, or Athlone. Um, that's part of a two-test tour of South Africa. Uh, I had to check this, but South Africa are only one place above Scotland in the rankings, so that's a fairly comprehensive. That's a good, 
good job, yeah. Yeah, a very good job. Um, if you want to read more about that, then uh, Gary Heatley has written a match report on the offside line. And speaking of the offside line, uh, which is the, um, I, I, I don't want to say the best. It's it's the other the other best place for uh, the latest Scottish rugby views. It's certainly the best place for news because we don't do a lot of news on the blog. Um, we tend to do more opinion, match reports, player ratings, things like that. Um, but in terms of news and keeping up to date with all things Scottish rugby, it's it's the go-to place. Uh, and our Ian, uh, Ian Hay now is now sort of writing for them on a, a semi-regular basis as well. Now he's he's gone all professional on us. Um, he might stop. I might have to stop swearing. He might actually stop swearing on the podcast, so I can stop editing him out if he's gone professional. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but anyway, we we caught up earlier with David Barnes from the Offside Line, who is currently out in Japan covering Scotland at the World Cup, uh, to find out how he was getting on and get his take on Scotland's win over Samoa. I'm on a street in um, in Kobe at the moment, but um, I'll try not to get knocked over or anything. But yeah, lovely. You're not it. not in the middle of the street. No, no, no. I'm just about to work it out across it. Okay. Just follow, just follow everybody else. Have you managed to track down any Kobe beef then? Um, I did. Um, we, the, the press got taken out for a media day on Tuesday and we got um, fed Kobe beef. I thought they would give us you know, one mouthful each, but they actually took us to apparently one of the best restaurants in Kobe and we got a full meal and it was sensational. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> pretty good. I don't think I could... Uh, I don't think I could justify spending the money on it when you look at some of the prices, but uh, <laughs> it is beyond anything I've ever tasted before. And and, so. and how are you finding Japan in general? Because you're you're quite a tall gentleman. Has that been a challenge? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first place we stayed in um, was the Airbnb myself and Stevie Scott from the Courier, and uh, fortunately they didn't have any beds. There was just um, um, you know kind of blankets on the floor, very kind of old-fashioned <laughs> Japanese style. So. There was no issue with my, head, my feet hanging off the end because there was no end for me to hang off. But it's fine. And uh, the Japanese, they're all very polite, but they're not. Um, they just kind of let you get on with it. They don't seem to. I think if it was a Scottish psychology, there'd be a lot of hilarity about somebody my size. But here, they're just too polite and they kind of smile and let you pass and, uh, you know, just get on with it. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Al Kerr, who, who was a, a, a co editor of the blog, who was out in Japan, was saying he was struggling a wee bit with the toilets. Has that, ha, that been an issue? Are you. Had a had, had a crib sheet. Uh, crib sheet, yeah. They're um, they're they're pretty high tech. The toilets, but once you get your head around them, they're heated seats and um, water scooshing and all sorts. So once you get, once you get your head around them, I think uh, it'd be hard to go back. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the first couple of days are quite they're, they're intimidating, intimidating toilet seats. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about the rugby then after that's Japan out of the way. Um, in yeah. terms of um, the Ireland game. Uh, before we come on to some more, there, there was what can only be described as a typhoon of criticism for the team and the coaches yeah. back home. How how much of that has made its way over to the team in Japan? Um, it's, I mean, it's classic. I think quite a lot of it. They do, you know, you know, being in press conferences, they always say we don't read the press. You know, people are entitled, to it. but the, I think, I think it did strike them. It was certainly, you know, from 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 our point of view here, it was. Um, you know, I don't know what it was like back in, in Scotland, but it was you know far more ferocious than anything we'd seen before, and we certainly picked up on it. As um, and the players, I mean, it was a very grim place. The team hotel last week it was really hard going, um, and the players seemed pretty shell shocked. Um, you know, in about the middle of the week, the tone changed. Sorry, I'm kind of there's talking in the background. There's my Google Maps in the background, but um, <laughs> the tone kind of changed. And I think they realised they had to stop feeling sorry for themselves and really kind of, you know, face up and take it. It was Grant Gilchrist kind of led the charge and said, you know, we have to take the bullets like men. 
Um, but, but, you know, Stuart McAnally on Monday looked shell-shocked, um, and I think the criticism did sting them, although they knew where it was coming from. They, they, they understood it, um, but they, they didn't particularly like it, and neither, you know, neither they would. Um, so, yeah, I think I think they were aware of it. They've never, they've never experienced anything like that. I've never seen anything like that with a Scotland team before. Have you? I don't know. No, I haven't. I think I think our, our, our sort of thinking behind it was because, the, you know, it's a World Cup, so everyone's excited yeah. and, and hyped up for it it's not like a you know your normal six nations where you've got the normal levels of excitement it was something yeah. a little bit yeah. different i think yeah and they talked a great game going into it and i think you know i think we all felt a wee bit silly because you know we believed it and then you know it's one of these you know one of these moments when you um i, I was writing a, a column for the irish examiner and you know that's the burns poem you know to see yourselves as others see you and you know we kind of believed the hype that you know we kind of thought we were going to turn up and show these irish you know what's for and we kind of forgot that actually the irish have been working bloody hard as well and they were a pretty good team to start with. So I think, you know, it felt to me like we were all a wee bit, you know, we, we, we kind of pushed it onto the team, but we were all a wee bit kind of felt a wee bit embarrassed that we'd kind of over, you know, <laughs> believed our own hype a bit too much. So I'm not sure whether that played into it as well. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, do you think there's any sense after that Samoa game that they, they work, the team have worked out what's gone wrong? Or is that still, it kind of feels, still feels like it's yeah. a cloud that's hanging over them that it could happen again? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, you got the natural euphoria because they did, they did well in that game. But yeah, they, you know, Matt Taylor spoke again today, and he, you know, earlier in the week he'd kind of been pushed quite hard, saying, you know, can you explain it? And he said, no, I can't. And then you know, this was before the small game, and then he was asked, asked again today, and he said, no, I think we just have to let that one go. And it was kind of worrying that you know, you just something like that can happen, and you know, you just say we'll let that go. So, um, you know, I think you know, certainly, I don't know what's back back home, but you know. There is a feeling that while we're enjoying this, we're, we feel like we've arrived at the World Cup at last. Um, you know, you know, once bitten, twice shy, and we're not, you know, you know, somewhere in a different proposition from, say, for example, if we get through to the quarterfinals and we play South Africa and New Zealand. Um, I think we've kind of learned that, you know, we're not quite up as far at the picking order as we thought we were. Yeah, I mean, was the in terms of the game yesterday for you? Do you think it? It answered the questions. There's a lot of sort of talk around, you know, it was a great game. They, they held Samoa to nil. They got the bonus point. They did the job. But still a few people yeah. saying it wasn't as convincing as the score I might have suggested. Yeah, and it maybe wasn't. I, I don't know how um, apparent it was back on, on the telly just how difficult the, 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 you know, it was. I mean, it was pretty. You know, there was a lot of drop balls. Was, you know, you might call sloppiness. But, I mean, it was absolutely sweltering in the stadium. And so, you know, I think it was very hard. You know, I think... In the conditions of the pressure they're under, felt to me like they played well. But yeah, I agree they haven't answered the questions. Although what they have learned is that you know, there's guys like Magnus Bradbury and Jimmy Ritchie are ready to you know not be the coming men but be the men. So, you know, maybe maybe there isn't an, an answer to the question. It's just a case of you know, there's a bit of a shift change in the people that are going to do it for Scotland now. Yeah, um, and how maybe that's the answer. You mentioned the heat there, and of the, the stadium roof was was closed. Was yeah. it was it cooler inside the stadium or outside? It was it was cooler outside the stadium. Inside the stadium was absolutely. I mean, it was unbearable. You know, three or four of the journalists had to go and sit inside in the in the media room at half time because they could they couldn't bear to just sit there and watch the game. So you know, you can imagine playing like that. Um, and it's madness. I've not really checked it out, but one of the you know, agency journalists have said that it's just the rule for this World Cup. If the roof can be closed, it will be closed. It just seems fairly. Um, Fairly bad, but um, it was it was really really difficult circumstances. Sean, Sean Maitland said afterwards it was the toughest conditions he's ever played, and he's been around a bit. Um, so, in terms of performance, I wouldn't read. To, you know, you have to read it in t- because it's a World Cup game. But I think a lot of sl- what, what you might call sloppiness was down to the fact how difficult it was. 
Um, I mean, they certainly got their attitude right, didn't they? Um, they came out firing. It's just a shame something like Ireland has to happen first before they do yeah. that. Which is which is always the way. I mean, they seem to change once they realised. Almost sort of seemed to click, which is maybe the one promising thing. It seemed to click with them that that the the ball yeah. was slipping. They they tried to yeah. change tactics a little bit. So that's maybe something that's a bit yeah. more encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm certainly. Um, you know, I I thought you could have done much more. I mean, you know, we were doing a follow up stuff today. You know, they've only kept um, team to zero three times in the, in in the century. Um, Italy a couple of years ago, and then another two were Romania and Canada. So I mean, that, I mean that's a significant win, thirty six nil. So, um, you know, I just don't, I just don't want to follow the trap we did before the Ireland game, where we start believing our own hype. Yeah, I mean, what's the reaction been in Japan to that? Because it maybe puts the hosts under a bit of pressure. Is there a sense that that they're worried, or are they fairly confident? Um, there, there's there, there's not really been that much. I mean, I think it will grow over the next couple of weeks. Um. The, the, the Japanese are very polite. They're desperate to be great hosts, so it's not really their style to, um, you know, to talk themselves up or, you know, um, you know, or kind of noise, <coughs> sorry, noise up the opposition. So um, it's fairly low key. I have to be honest with you. You know, the, the World Cup. You know, it's such a vast. You know, the population is so dense here that you're not always aware that you're at a World Cup. You know, it's not like we're wandering around with you know Japanese strips everywhere we go. So we've not had huge amounts of um, interaction with. You know the Japanese rugby fans, especially because we're down in Kobe and they've been based mainly up in Yokohama and Tokyo as well. So I'm not entirely sure what they make of it all, but I mean I think they're treating the whole thing as a, you know, a big adventure. And you know Ireland was great. You know they've overachieved already, so anything on top of that, um, you know, is an extra bonus. Yeah, and and aside from aside from Alan Dell, uh, Scotland kind of escaped with any made obvious injuries yesterday. Has there been any updates on that? Yeah, there's no official updates, but Matt Taylor was asked today um, and didn't seem to know anything, so that that's good news. You know, he said, "I've not heard anything. Um, we're certainly not talking about it." Usually, if there's a serious one, you know, they know they're briefed before they come and speak to us um, to tell us, you know, where we are or not tell us um, where we are. Um, so um, it seems, you know, there'll be the usual bumps and bruises. But Alan Dell's going through the HIA um, head injury. He's done the HIA. He's going through the return to play protocol. So. Um, yeah, so that's a you know that's a big bonus as well, um, you know, especially after losing a couple last week. Um, so Rory and Sandy, it was interesting getting uh, speaking to David there uh, as someone who was actually at the game rather than us watching from the comfort of our homes on ITV and and talking about the heat and the humidity and just maybe that 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 hadn't quite come across on the TV because it sounded like an absolute furnace. And something I hadn't really realised until, until I was speaking to David earlier today was the fact that World Rugby have made this ruling that you that all roofs must be closed. Because what he was saying is it was actually hotter inside the stadium than it was outside. Do you think that's do you think that's been a mistake, Roy? Do you think they should have had more flexibility in that? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure why the uh, why the roof was closed. I assumed it was maybe something um, they talked about a lot of uh, a lot of rain. Um, the pitch seemed to be quite damp underfoot, so I was thinking maybe it was something to do with that. But if they just closed it because it's a blanket rule, that would seem to me um, a little bit. You know, they could have left a wee a wee gap for a draft or something. <laughs> just, just open a wee kick. Let, yeah, just open, oh, the sorry, window, open the window a little bit to get some fresh air in. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does. Yeah, it looked. You know, it looked. It looked terrific. Um, guys who are usually pretty adept at handling were like Sam Johnson or Finn Russell were. You know, were. Um, just not able to kind of direct the ball. You, 
that that famous time on the ball that Finn Russell quite often has. You, you know, you saw saw that kind of taken away because he had to catch the ball and then shuffle it to make sure you actually had control of it before he did whatever he was going to do yeah. next. Um, so yeah, I think it you know the conditions were must have been must have been pretty bad. I mean, I've, you know, I haven't experienced anything quite like that, but you know, been over to Thailand once and you know the humidity there was was pretty uh, pretty full on. Um, your body gets used to it after a month, but you know I wouldn't say that you'd want to play a you know a full game of rugby in it. Um, you could see on the on the TV how you know how um, the the shirts and things were were kind of pouring pouring the sweat. I mean, I think Sean Maitland came out in his spare spare shirt as you know for the second half. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was just a fashion choice though. Yeah. Um, Sandy, do you think? I mean, do you do you, do you think that's maybe maybe world rugby should have given teams more? control over deciding whether the roofs were open or closed or do you think it's 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 best just to have that blanket policy so we don't get the same kind of principality stadium roof argument every single game that, but that was really what I was thinking is must have been the uh, thinking behind that you know who who's going to decide and what happens if they don't agree and I, I can't imagine that I mean, it would be hot enough that uh, I don't imagine the Samoans would have would have cared one way or the other um, perhaps the Perhaps the ruling should be is that if you can't agree, it stays shut. But if you can, if you can agree on something, you can you can do that. Um, it certainly, uh, as already been said, it looked horrific. And I, I saw a picture that uh, Grant Gilchrist had posted on Instagram. Where he just had replaced his head with a, a sweating emoji, just to try and indicate just how hot it had been, <laughs> at, uh, which, which was rather telling, to be honest. Were you? Because he discarded his scrum half in the second half. Yeah. yeah. I saw him throw it to one side and a fit of disgust with the look at it. <laughs> it's probably absolutely uh, honking by that point, I think. I thought he played quite well after he did that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I hope that Andy Nevin had asked the question. He, he well, he posed a conspiracy theory anyway that Japan were trying to undermine Scotland by insist- by closing the roof to make the conditions harder. Um, but um, uh, Sorry, Andy, that was a world rugby Um decision whether or not that's a world rugby conspiracy of course we, we do love a bit of those um who knows um in terms of the game then um david was sort of saying that when we were speaking to him that it doesn't necessarily answer all of the questions about scotland rory it's not there's still a sense that that they've they've got it in them to completely fall apart like they did against ireland again yeah it's i mean yeah it was it was you look at the you look at the final scoreline thirty four nil. You look at the bonus point achieved. You look at the win, keeping Samoa off the score sheet. That's pretty much mission accomplished in terms of the, the wider tournament. On you know on paper on the in terms of the the league table, that's you know that's the, that's what we what they needed to do, and they went out and did it. Um, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't amazing. Um, it it was I would say it's probably workmanlike, but you know we've talked about the conditions you know. You're never quite sure. Um, obviously, um, Barnes has maybe talked about it a little bit. We, you know, we don't really know how much that's affecting the ability to play. I mean, some of the stuff that Finn tried, you get the sense that he was actually feeling pretty confident about it. They just maybe sensibly um, decided that the, you know, some things weren't on, and he didn't want to uh, didn't want to risk it. Didn't stop him throwing, you know, a pass over Darcy Graham's head into the in the stands or, or things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the the Improvement in defence, improvement in set piece was was exactly what we wanted to see. Thought the line out went really well. Um, the back row were, quite frankly, streets ahead of what we saw last week. Um, and 
yeah, and the, you know the backline did probably what they could, but it wasn't really the conditions for the sort of game that they like to play, which is maybe a worry. Do we need to find a strategy that allows us to play in you know a wet weather game if you like, because it's effectively the same sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's interesting in terms of the turnaround, Sandy, that that, that when we speak to David Barnes, he was saying that the the mood in the team hotel up until Wednesday had been utterly grim. Who really said really hard work with the players. Nobody was giving anything away. He said that Stuart McInally looked absolutely shell shocked on the Monday, and it was kind of Grant. What he was saying was Grant Gilchrist that kind of led the charge and then turned it around and said, "Look, we've got to get over this. We've got to move on." And you wonder why, because Scotland put, you know, in the early stages of the Ireland game, Scotland were putting in big hits, but they just seemed to do it for the full eighty minutes and. Do you, do you think they've turned a corner with that, or do you still think there's a that that question mark hanging over them? I think it's a a, a distinct possibility. I, I mean, you could. I, I I thought for the first twenty twenty five minutes before we actually opened the score, and even even with uh, Greg's uh, penalty, that, that they looked as if they were still a bit nervous, and it was only the fact that it was that there wasn't the greatest of opposition at that point that. But I think they grew into it. I mean, at the end of the day, we've lost so many early tries to, to a certain extent to remain nil each by sort of 20 minutes was probably a, a mark of success at that stage. And then to to, to get the, the penalty and to get the get the try, and it, it looked to me as if they visible, visibly relaxed and thought, right, hang on, we can actually play a wee bit here, despite the conditions. I mean, I know the conditions did play uh, a big part and certainly in the uh, in some of the early handling errors. I think there had been four or five handling errors by about the 10th minute or something. So um, but uh, they, so I think they, they, they got into that. Whether they can maintain that, I guess we'll see. I mean, the, I know we'll probably talk about this more, but obviously, the, you know, whilst you've achieved everything you could have out of that game, as Rory said, um it's not going to be that team that faces Russia. So um, are we going to lose a wee bit of momentum there? It's understandable. We need to go that way. But, you know, are we going to are we putting the brakes on what might have been a, a shift in momentum by, you know, I suspect, you know, what, 10 out of the 15 maybe will be changed. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it's probably worth, we haven't done the player ratings on the blog yet, Rory, and we were talking, we'll maybe do them live tonight. It's good yeah, to. Yeah, I think some, it's probably helpful to give people an insight into how we the sorts of things we think about when we do this, because um, it kind of just they appear on the blog, and we've tried to make it more transparent with sort of breaking down different parts of the score and coming up with averages. Um, it's probably worth having a chat about it as well, so people can see the kind of things we th- we actually think about. Because we don't pluck these numbers out of the air, do we? No, I mean we're we're trying to make it a bit more essential. I mean I think a lot of publications probably do, um, yeah. and. They're maybe either that or they, you know, they're less uh, less biased than us. But um, yeah, we, I mean, we, we, you know, we try to try to give a bit of insight into the into how we come up with the numbers, so that there's somewhere to somewhere to go with uh, with the, with debating them. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we, we tend to, to score them across four four different. Uh, so they get four marks out of ten, which are then averaged. Um, so attack, defense, breakdown, and. And other uh, forwards, the extra other is set piece backs. It's sort of influence, which is things like scoring passes or um, good kicks, things like that. Um, the replacements are, tend to be graded on impact, although sometimes it's a little bit impactful. But set piece, depending on how long they get on for. 
Yeah. Um, and then we kind of average it out over that. Uh, who have you started? But which way have you done this? And then we'll. Um, well, I started with the uh, start with the forwards. So, despite the fact that I complained, I think last time I was on uh, about people putting team lists back to front, their player ratings we, we do it one to fifteen rather than fifteen to eight, and then yeah. one nine to whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So Alan yeah. Dell, then I mean I thought for for his, for, the, for the twelve minutes he was on the pitch, I thought he did yeah, quite I mean, well, he put some big hits and. Yeah, I think you think he got a turnover, maybe two. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other the other thing is that this was quite early on the, the morning, so I usually I try and watch it well after. To so there's probably a lot I missed, including most of the most of the bench. Um. So yeah, he he worked out about six and a half out of ten. Everyone. The other the other thing we do is that everyone starts, which is an old um, Al Kerr thing. Everyone starts on a five or a six. So if they lose, it tends to start on a five, and if they win, it starts on a six. So yeah. yeah, so he's not gone up by much from the from the baseline, really. Yeah, and then uh, Stuart McAnally, that was a good performance. Um, yeah, I mean, pr- pretty good. Um, st- I mean, the lineout went the lineout went very well, so he's got to take take a lot of credit for that. Um, so I give him, you know, I give me eight for a set piece score, um, and think he had a, he had a couple of good carries. It was yeah, it was quite. Um, they were they were sort of talking about him in the commentary on the telly, saying that he needs to do a bit more, and then he just went off on a big barnstorming run, which <laughs> was probably his first first of the game. So uh, yeah, I think um, he's he's worked out at seven seven out of ten. Um, it's I mean it's pretty close between him and Brian really uh, at the moment. McAnally's maybe not quite got the form. I wonder if I'd be interested to see what they what they do the selectors do for for the Russia game. I don't think for a second McAnally will, will play, but whether they start Brian or Turner. Yeah, and then now, what did you go for? Now, was that, how did that turn out? Is that about, about, about a seven overall? Probably feels about right, or has it come out higher? Uh, I've, I've given him a six, six and a half. He's worked out, but my my scores are open to uh, open to negotiation. What what's knocked um, him? What's kind of knocked him down the half point? Then is that is I it think, the scrum? Because there, there was a a couple of times yeah, the scrum I went give, down. I gave him an extra for attack and an extra for set piece, so it must have just been. Um, must have just been not not. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't make as he didn't make really. as many tackles. I think he made four tackles and missed two. And in attack, he didn't make as many. Didn't run with. I think he went on one rampage and run. Yeah, the, I mean the other thing I, I quite often do is go back and go back through the, the sort of stats um, and see how they've affected. So you know, if you if it turns out they had no missed tackles or they made more than say ten or twelve tackles, then that'll probably give them an extra tick above. You know what I noticed, but had the ESPN stats weren't on on at lunchtime earlier when I went to to do these, so it's probably uh, probably needs a wee bit a wee bit of finessing. But we'll, yeah, how does that feel to you, Sandy? That front row. So we've got uh, well, six and a half for, for Dell, and we'll come on to we'll come on to his replacement later on. But a, a, yep. a seven for McAnally yep. and a six and a half for, for Nell. Does that feel fair to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I know that Nell Nell got pinged for an early scrum collapse. And I looked at it again today, and uh, and I and I thought the referee got it wrong. It's just not a huge surprise when it comes to scrummaging. It looked because it looked as if the uh, it was a Samoan loose head that was doing the pulling down, um, and and I thought the scrum was steady thereafter. So it did that did seem a little at odds with what happened thereafter. But um, I mean, I don't think he did a, a, a great deal else. I think uh, to be fair, so I mean that, that is his job. But I suppose yeah. that's that's the main yeah. reason he's there. Um, six and a half, seven, maybe. Yeah, yeah. the rest absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't argue. 
And then the locks, Rory, uh, Gilchrist and Gray. I thought, I mean, I thought Gilchrist had a had had a good game. It's to get. I think we talked it when we was talking to Ian and John last week. We were saying that Gilchrist's one of these players that when he plays very well, he's you know you, you can't fault him, and he and you know he'll, he'll yeah. make his tackles, he'll run with the ball, he'll play hard all day. But the problem is that when he's not on form. He becomes a a very good club player rather than international standard. Whereas someone like Johnny Gray can be either very good or an alright international standard. and never kind of drops below that. So that that's kind of the heights you want Gilchrist hitting consistently in, yeah. in a Scotland shirt, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, I just had a wee look at the stats there, and he, he, yeah. you know, he, he's made uh, he's made eleven tackles and he hasn't hasn't missed any. So that's it for me. That's a pretty um, no missed tackles. It's, pretty good so I mean I've um, I've given him an, an 8 for the defence and 8 for the set piece because I think he's probably in charge of the line out um, so he he again uh, averages out as a, a flat um, 7 um, which is maybe maybe a little low kind of overall but you know I don't think we want to get carried away um, nobody in the nobody in the ratings that I've done so far gets above a gets above an 8 uh, 7.5 spoiler alert um, <laughs> because you know it was it was it was good, but Samoa were awful, and you know, yeah, the, um, it was it was never entirely convincing. I would say no. I think we've been, well, it was convincing in that you'd never got the sense that Scotland were going to lose, but at the same time, yeah. the uh, you never. It was hard to see at times that the the bonus try was definitely on. Yeah, I think we were looking for a, a sort of level of of kind of ruthlessness to to achieve that bonus point, which maybe expect too much of the guys. I mean, it would have been a big shot last week against Ireland. And, and also the um, condition. I, think, I suppose the conditions yeah. play a part in that as well. It was a big ask yeah. to 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 go out and be ruthless in those conditions because if it opens up an element of risk, I suppose, Sandy, that if you're asking yeah. guys to go and chuck it about. And I think it must. I mean, even if you say before the game and and the, and the sound bites that you're. They we're just going to you're just going to make sure we build a score, and we're not going to focus on the bonus point. If you're not thinking about that, you're you're probably not human. So you, you, they're probably pushing things harder than in certain places than they would have done with that in mind. Is that you know a win wasn't really going to be enough. It had to be a win with a bonus point. So that that probably does affect some of your play as well. It certainly affects your choices. I mean, it, it, uh, even the the fact that Samoa didn't. Were, were nilled was part of that was down to their choices to take kicks to the corner because we had pushed the game really beyond them doing anything uh, other than you know it wasn't worth taking a penalty for so you know it, it swings and roundabouts when it comes to that yeah and we still we still we still haven't seen angry Johnny Gray yet no Rory. I'm dying to see angry Johnny Gray maybe he's saving um, it all up yeah I mean well I, I suspect he's going to get dropped for the Russia game but you know, I don't think he'll take that as the insult that it really needs to be. No, um, like rotated out. <laughs> yeah, rotated out. Um, whereas you know, Dave Rennie dropped him, and then we saw the reaction. But um, I think, yeah, he, I would like to hope that he's he's building building nicely. I mean, again, he didn't do he didn't do very much wrong. Um, he missed missed one tackle, the shame. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gilchrist was was kind of ruling the ruling the line out. So. He did. He did what he did, but meters run four. It's not not amazing. Um, I, it, interestingly, Johnny seems to actually be a bit more of a link man. He, he doesn't actually, you know, we we know when he carries, he does the sort of belly flop thing, but um, he does he does actually act as a link player quite a lot and shift the ball on. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Scotland have this kind of standard thing they do where the ball comes out and then it pops out uh, pops out the back again to someone else who will pop it onto Russell to, to direct play rather than rather than carry it into the heavy tra- back into the heavy traffic. Whereas someone like Ireland would just probably carry it back in. So I mean I guess that's a tactical choice um, for Johnny maybe not to not to carry quite as much or carry for No, and I, and I suppose it, it asks questions of the defence because you never know if someone like Johnny Gray is going to take it into contact or if they're going to pass it. Yeah. Whereas if, if it comes to him and you know every time he's going to run into contact, it's easier to set the defence. Yeah, I suppose it's like uh, Greg um, right in the base of the rock. Yeah, he only, he, only, he only snipes when he knows it's definitely on. Um, the back row... That's a big change, I think, from from last week. Um, Bradbury, yeah. Ritchie, and Thompson. What what have you gone with those three? Yeah, I mean, I think if anyone was going to get um, get an get an eight, it would probably be one of them. Um, as it turns out, they haven't quite. But that doesn't that may just be you know as I say, it's that I've missed. I mean, Bradbury, I've gone seven. Jamie Ritchie and Blade seven and a half each. Um, I mean, Jimmy was was superb, and to be honest, probably kind of given an, an overall effort probably is, is worth worth an eight. Um, you know, he's making as many tackles as, as Gilchrist, but he did you know, he missed a few. Um but he's you know, he's made he's made thirty meters as is as is Thompson. Um you know, they were both they were both all well all three of them were, were carrying well. Bradbury had one little break where he maybe could have uh, given a better pass to Darcy Graham. I think he he passed it into touch or um something Something didn't quite work out, but um, yeah, um, he was Bradbury was carrying hard. He was breaking the gain line, which you know kind of gives you heart. If if the Thompson experiment doesn't work out, then you've got Bradbury to come in at number eight. Obviously, the Glasgow fans will be they're they're keen on um, keen on Matt Fagerson. I quite like the look of Bradbury at eight, but he did a grand job at six there. And uh, Richie was you know Richie was everywhere. I'm not saying that we didn't miss Watson, but we kind of, you know, we almost maybe forgot that he was missing. Um, I did see him trying some, he tried some pinball, pinball moves at one point, although he didn't get quite as far as Hamish no. was. But who does? Um, yeah, exactly. Does and I mean, I think Thompson. That was, you know, that was probably the the game that showed kind of what he's about. We've seen hints of it so far. Um, interestingly, he. he he actually got a bit better as the game went on. Whether that's um, getting used to the conditions or actually just um, his kind of his—he's got very quick feet for a number eight. He's, he's like um, reminds me a little of a certain R. Vernon in terms of his kind of you know he's that kind of rangy rangy style of number eight. Good hands on him, yeah. um, and he's actually quite—he was actually quite good in the wider channels late on. Um, so there's maybe there's maybe something to say that he's he's a he's a good bench option and you know certainly if you had say Watson or Figerson in that in the back line and there wasn't space for him um, and he also got the turnover right at the end of the game that um, that kept a clean sheet so yeah um, several several guys cl- probably close to close to an eight yeah I think that's fair I think that'd be fair Sandy I, mean, I think the one thing for me that came out for it is that Scotland have kind of lacked. Oh, being criticised for lacking hard players in the past. Can guys that run really hard at the opposition, and and Bradbury and Ritchie do that very well. I know, I know what Watson brings is some a slightly different kind of running where because he's got such a strong fend, but just the way that they run into contact and sort of knock the opposition backwards is is something Scotland have kind of lacked of late. Yeah, and I thought both uh, Magnus Bradbury and Jamie were Richie were their work rate was just 
phenomenal, particularly Richie. Um, uh, and, and they did make the hard yards. I mean, it, Bradbury's not renowned for his passing, but uh, he, he certainly there was. It was taking at least a couple of Samoans to stop him on every occasion, and uh, and even then we were we were getting the recycle no problem at all. Um, he, he's uh, uh, he's pretty robust. Uh, I thought Thompson. Uh, Quietly went about his business, and uh, as Rory just said, there nice great hands and difficult conditions. And I thought, uh, uh, and uh, without doing anything particularly flashy, he was uh, pretty efficient, to be honest. And he ran a couple of really good support lines. There's one, I think, with that that Darcy Graham break, he was with him all the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the in the in the early in the first half, or yeah, early, yeah that, that that I think was like the first ten minutes or something, was yeah, it? Aye. Yeah. So yeah, um, we'll do the backs then. I mean, um, let's talk about Laidlaw. Someone's asked us to do five minutes praising Greg Laidlaw, which I'm, we're not averse to on this podcast. Um, I'm slightly baffled, Rory, and I'm interested in your score here to to see that people are still people are still questioning Greg Laidlaw. I think to to a certain extent, I think that that if if after that performance you're still not giving him credit for what he does then you really probably have no business in supporting Scotland at all. Or is that, am I being too, too harsh? No, I think, uh, I think he was, yeah, I think he was, he was very good. Um, the only thing that was, that I find slightly frustrating was um, when he went through, through for his, his try there, he sort of, sort of dithered about looking for someone to pass to rather than yeah. just backing himself to get to the line. I mean, he's, a, you know, he's, he's not a, He's not a prop. He should be able to back himself to run ten meters. Um, I mean, I he did. Think, and he, you know, I, I think to be, well, I, say, I think to be fair, in in the post match interviews, he said he didn't really know where he was. Yeah, he probably. <laughs> I mean, he probably that. saw three or four Samoan players to, uh, you know, coming 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 at him. But then, you know, true to true to his legendary status, Mister Greg, um, he just you know he smashed them off like Godzilla and went over for the went over for the score. Uh, I think, yeah. Um, Kicked, kicked his goals, and I think you would you would say that uh, you would say that um, he did he did what was he did what was needed. Um, certainly, it was you know it was a good a good team effort. What did you get? What did he get scored overall? Then when you uh, I give him I give him a nine for influence, but only it's it's a tricky one for the backs having a breakdown score because very rarely do they do anything. Um, so that probably he counter rocked at one point, I think. Yeah, or well, maybe I should boost boost him up. That he might that might push him to an eight. Then that would that would probably trigger a lot of people if he was the only player that got an eight. <laughs> uh, do it. Well, do so it. I might do it anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, the influence obviously kicked, kicked all his goals, um, and and took a try. That tends to be where where that score kind of gets beefed up. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, seven point five. I'll just see what what change in that adds. That might that might be No, he's still simple. So yeah, what what do you what do you what's your take on that then, Sandy? Do you think? I mean, with 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 Ali Price gone and George Horn kind of you know, I, I would say an experienced, but you know, it certainly lacks the experience that Ali Price has. That 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 you know will likely need to lay a lot of series through the tournament now. Do you think that was a a much better performance from him than than, than last week? Yeah, I do, and I, I mean, I he's. I mean, he is a very much a kind of marmite character. Um, you really love him, or you, or you just don't. I mean, my my only concern is, is perhaps some of the the five meter stuff was maybe not as quick as the rest of it, and 
you know, too much waving of hands and looking for folk to move in. And, and it was all a bit, seemed a bit telegraphed at that point. But the rest of it, he controlled the game from where it, and, you know, and again, go back to conditions and difficult conditions, thought, thought he did really well. Um, and I, we need that. Um, I mean, I think as you were talking about last week, you know, to be able to bring on uh, George Horn with, with a tiring defence uh, is fantastic. But I, th- I think, particularly in those conditions on Monday, you need somebody who's perhaps a little more uh, composed uh, as uh, as Greg is. Um, I did like at one point, and, and I don't know whether Rory knocked any points off for the, the pass that he threw, managed to find over Johnny Gray's head. I thought, surely the ball can't go that high from your hands. Yeah, um, but... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I probably marked Johnny Gray down for that too. <laughs> yeah. Blinkers on. Yeah, um... Yeah, I mean, this, the service is not always amazing. And there, there, I thought it was interesting, well, we probably would talk about um, George Horn when we come onto the bench, but I thought um, George Horn had, I think he had one box kick, but um, it was a pretty good box kick. He got great distance on it, and uh, it looks a lot more sort of impressive of a box, a box kick, a clearance kick can look impressive than uh, than some of some of Greeks. So yeah. there's there's yeah. maybe yeah. I mean you, you, we know we all know the right the writings on the wall. John George Horden will probably be the Scotland's scrum half at some point in the next year or so. Yeah. Um especially, you know, there's a chance there's every chance Greek might hang up the international boots pretty soon. Yeah, um, I think I think in all in all fairness Laidlaw, the, the the brain's there, but I think some of the, the executions Maybe kind of on the way in a wee bit, and that, you know that's, that's to be expected. It's perfectly natural. There was a you know it was a really good downfield kick he did, and he obviously saw the space, but it just wasn't accurate enough to kind of either make touch or cause the the space was there. But by the time he kicked it and the speed of the kick and the the direction yeah. it went, it, it was well dealt with by Samoa. But you know somebody else kicks that a little bit harder, a little bit longer, and it's you know it, it would would have got Scotland good territory. Um, now. Um, it's interesting that the the next we've got um, Finn Russell next, and this was the record equaling partnership of uh, a, a scrum half and fly half for Scotland. Um, they they re- equaled um, Roy Laidlaw and John Rutherford's record for most games played together. I think it was thirty five games. Yeah, thank that. Which right. I didn't realize it'd been that many. Which, but but there you go. So um, Finn, I mean, it was a. It was a good given the conditions, I suppose. Um, yeah. I mean that forty meter kick pass to Maitland for the first try was superb. It was. I mean, somebody was like, is, "Is that better than the um, the floated pass to Hugh Jones in the twenty eighteen Calcutta Cup?" No, no, no. There we go. But it, in kick terms, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. It was. It was we sorry, may not see a better one this Significance is probably up right up there because we were. I mean, at that point, we needed that badly. Um, I suppose it's at, yeah. It's the decision making, isn't it, Sandy? That the the yeah. the the stuff that the hand the passing wasn't coming off. Balls weren't going to hand. Balls were being dropped. So just to switch it up and try something different. Yeah, and having and, and having the cojones at that point to. To do that, which is something you're always going to get for fun, obviously. Um, but you know, we—I think at that point we were approaching somewhere in the region of 120 minutes without having scored a try uh, in this World Cup. So you know, it was uh, it was badly overdue. <laughs> and and what did you get? What did you give them overall then, Rory? Um, I've given them a, given them a seven. The problem uh, the problem with the with our possibly with our scoring system is that uh, you know if you're you're watching different things and um, 
you're you know adding adding and subtracting points. So there always tends to be with uh, with Finn and strangely enough with Gordy Reid, um, there <laughs> tends to be you, you know you'll you'll add on two or three, but you'll take off two or three as yeah. well. So that's why you know he's ended up with a six for attack, where actually you know he did plenty that was good, but he you know he, he undid some of that as well. Um, eight for influence, which is accounts for the accounts for the kick. So yeah, he, he worked out a, a seven, but. Yeah, I, I I got the sense if it had been if the conditions had been better, he was in the mood, and uh, and I think it would have been. I think you know we've not seen the we've not seen the the, the best of him this World Cup. I fully expect that we will see that against Japan. Yeah, and to a certain extent, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing that we haven't seen his best yet. It you know it does mean that he's building. There was a cup. There was a nice sort of wee burst he did through, and he went for the offload where maybe he should have taken it in the contact. Yes. But yeah, it's. It's there or thereabouts. Um, we'll do the centres before we do the back three uh, then. So uh, Sam Johnson and Chris Harris, Rory. Um, I thought Chris Harris had a, had a had a superb game. There's a couple yeah, of times he rushed out of defence, maybe a little bit quickly to try and kind of put some more under pressure. Had a lot, did a lot of work kind of scrambling back. But, but other than that, there wasn't a lot you could kind of call him up on. Yeah, I thought um, he was certainly the pick of pick of the centres. Um, I think Sam Johnson actually is probably the lowest. Uh, was the scorer on the team? Um, he, I, he, I've given a six to uh, Chris Harris seven and a half. Um, I mean, yeah, Harris didn't, you know, he didn't do any flashy huge on stuff, which I get, which is probably what people want to see because it looks amazing and it's, it's exciting to watch. But um, he did, he had quite a lot of carries. He he had to carry in a lot, a fair amount of heavy traffic. He's not afraid to just to batter it up. Um, you know, he's he's made twenty eight meters. That, that's that's pretty good. Um, and, and he's yeah, tackling he's, as well. I mean, he's, he he puts in some big hits for a centre. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there there's always been that slight kind of worry about the about the kind of the either side of the thirteen when when Jones is playing, um, who's who's marsh, marshalling that. So you're pairing him with you know you're pairing him with a kind of defensive centre at twelve like Dunbar. Um, whereas with with Harris, you know, there, he may not have the flair, but there's not there's not as much worry. Um, he seems to have settled in quite nicely to the to the defensive thing, and um, yeah, I think it, it was a good game. I'd still, you know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Duncan Duncan Taylor get some more more game time, um, but I'm about as um, happy with with Harris as uh, as it could be given given that game. You know, it wasn't the game for for sidestepping. You know, the amount of people that slipped and fell over. <laughs> On that pitch. So you've gone six for Johnson and seven and a half for Harris. Yeah. Do you think that's do you think that's fair, Sandy? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue with that at all. I think. I mean, again, it's another one where, as Rory said, nothing flashy, but he's went about his business efficiently and and and, and allowed everybody else to play. And I did have the ball in his hands a couple of times, and I think he was unlucky. He got quite close at one point, I think, to the, the try line himself with a run, but. Um, uh, they did. They were the centres just were that bit quieter. It was um, than I think than than everybody else defensively. Obviously, so we never give away a try, but um, not much in the way of uh, flashiness. To no, I mean it maybe wasn't a game for a Sam Johnson no. type. Actually, on reflection, I mean um, Chris Harris put in a really good so we 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 kick we grub a kick through at one point, but yeah, it wasn't. I think I suppose with the, with the conditions and the slipperiness of the ball, it wasn't Sam Johnson's kind of game. Maybe. I think that's, yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, the back three then, Rory, um, Maitland, Graham and Hogg. Uh, we'll do Maitland, we should do Maitland and Graham then. I mean, um, 
Maitland, I think at the time everyone probably felt like he dived too early, but actually watching it back, um, and I know sometimes we say you, you maybe give people too much credit for sort of accidental good work, but there was some method to his madness, it turned out, at diving so early in those conditions to get it over the line. Yeah, yeah I mean, I yeah, I sort of uh, threw my hands up and screamed at the telly when, he, when, when it looked like that had happened because... Uh, the first blink you can't really you know you couldn't really see what happened it was uh you know was a blatant dodgy tackle by the uh, by fiddle um and you think about all the tries that Maitland scores he very rarely makes a mess of one of those so if he thought that was the time and place to dive then i think you give him the benefit of the doubt um he would i'm sure he would have liked to have two two tries on the score sheet rather than one for him and one for mr penalty try but um <laughs> Yeah, he was. I think he was. He was probably the best. Uh, the best back on the on the park, Maitland. He had a he had a really good game. You know, there was a few little errors early on, but he w- he was throwing himself about everywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, going you know going on runs, um, defensively sound. Um, I think he they actually said on the commentary. Um, I think Scott Hastings said that, that Sean Maitland was calling for the calling for the kick pass. You know, before Finn actually before Finn actually. Um, actually made it so um yeah good awareness from him to yeah what have you scored him overall then uh seven and a half seven and a half i think that's fair i mean there was one point i think early on when uh hog threw a pass and it went behind everybody he's missed time and runs and passes and he kind of he threw his hands in there rather than actually going back to recover the ball which is (laughs) still a slight worry i think um that, that 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 was his natural instinct uh Sandy, but um, Darcy Graham for you, Sandy. I mean, that was a good, a good. I thought it was a, a good performance for him. He's unlucky not to get a try, maybe, um, but he did did it. And, I, and maybe if he'd been a bit taller, he would have got that pass for Finn. Yeah, I think it was a frustrating game for Darcy. I, I thought potentially, I thought he made the wrong decision early doors. Um, uh, if I remember rightly, um, whoever it, whoever it was, it was running came inside him or out and, and, and he failed to take the option which I think would have been a run in for them to be honest uh, in the corner uh, and I think he was just too keen at that point having not played already and desperate to show but uh, and then as you say the, the ball's gone over his head and uh, um, uh, I mean it was fizzed out and but normally he would take he's, he's taken passes like that before so but I, I don't it wasn't I don't think it was his best game and again I think probably because of the because of the conditions, the ball wasn't being fizzed out to to, uh, to the wingers in the same way, and maybe just it didn't come his way as much. But um, nothing to really criticise, other than that. As I say, I just thought maybe he'd slightly taking the wrong option in his eagerness to impress early doors. Yeah, is that maybe what we need more of, though, Rory? That 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 when our best players don't have their best days, that they still have good days. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you need to have it more than just one or two guys having a good game and sort of dragging us over the line, as we've you know seen in the in the near and distant past. Um, you need to have that quality right through the team, so that you know, even in the course of a game, not everyone's going to play the outstanding game for the full full eighty. Uh, people are going to drift in and about, in and out. You know, there's momentum, there's energy levels, there's concentration. Um, so you need you need enough guys to to kind of um, to cover, cover for that. I mean, I think Graham was maybe let down by a couple of passes. Um, there was a few few times you would have liked to just seen them maybe give give him the give him the ball at exactly the right time, and he didn't maybe get it quite quite right. 
Um, and maybe that's his um, positioning, or maybe that's just the, the guy inside him not not quite getting it getting it right. I mean, I've gone for six and a half for him. Uh, same for Hogg, yeah. Um, yeah. which is you know they, they, there was there was good bits. Um, Hogg, uh, Graham, I've given the they're all sixes apart from me. I give him an eight for defence because I think defensively he's he's excellent, especially when you consider how we he is. Yeah, um, I mean four tackles, Hogg. four tackles made and none missed. Which is that? I think it's the most. Well, he's the only one out of the backs. I think apart from Sean Maitland, who didn't miss a tackle on Hog, but they only made one tackle each. Uh, yeah. Four four tackles on against Samoa. You know, a, 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 you know, fairly fairly big big lads in the Samoans. You know, four tackles of someone, and and he was hitting his rucks as well. Again, he's absolutely desperate to get in the back row that wee lad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't can't fault his attitude really, and that's you know that's what that's what we're, we've been. That's what we're looking for. We want we want to see that from all, from all the players. Yeah. Um, An interesting question about Stuart Hogg then. Um, and you, I think we we some people have raised this as a question. And I can't. I haven't got in my notes. Apologies. Somebody did raise this yeah. with us on Twitter. But was Hogg? I think we're all in agreement on this answer. But I will ask the question. Um, was Hogg right to take the decision to go for the drop goal, Rory? Yes. 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 Sandy. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. And I guess we're we're all saying that because it put points on the board. Because it worked. And it, yeah. it one it worked, but two it puts points on the board. And as much as we're going for the bonus point try, it relieves relieves the pressure, puts pressure on the other team, so that then it makes it much easier to go for the bonus point try. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it was just before half time. Um, I mean, Scotland did end the half kind of pushing for pushing for pushing maybe for another try, but. Um, yeah, it just it keeps the it keeps the scoreboard ticking over that old phrase. Um, it keep it keeps the momentum in in Scotland's favour. Rugby games you watch the the momentum can swing. I mean, there was a there was a period sort of later on, maybe kind of second the first half of the second half, if you like the the kind of the third third twenty, where Scotland's momentum had just had just kind of tapered off a bit, and there was a you know there was a feeling Samoa might get back into it. You know, it's such a it's such a huge game where the momentum swings, and if you can just keep that keep that kind of ticking in your favour all the time, it just get it gets really um, demoralising for for the opposition to to just have to you know. The, yes, we needed to get um, four you know four tries, get that bonus point, but it's a lot easier to do that when your opposition is is being forced to to chase the scoreboard. They're going to make more silly mistakes. Um, you know the Scottish uh, the kicking game was going really well. Um, Hogg and as you say, you know Harris had a few grubbers. Hogg and Russell mostly. Um, some of the tactical tactical kicking really came off for them uh, this week. And you know Samoa were playing most of the game in their own half and a lot of the game in their own twenty-two. And you know, yes, they could they could go the uh, could go the length of the pitch perhaps, but um, certainly I think the uh, the ta- tactical approach from Scotland was a lot better this week. Um, and the the drop goal was, was perfectly valid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Sandy, I posed this question to you um, that Rory put on Twitter earlier for a poll. It's not the the first time uh, in the last few years that a poll that the answer to a poll has been wrong. Um, but w- w- which kick in the Samoa game was better, Finns or Hogs? So you got Finns forty minute kick pa- forty meter kick pass or Hoggies forty meter drop goal? Are we rating them on skill or overall? Effect. I, well, you posed the question. What's what's better? better? <laughs> I haven't really specified what better means, but yeah. um, the, the results of the the public vote are fifty eight 
in 42 in favour of Hoggy's drop goal, which suggests that I guess they're maybe going for aesthetics rather than value to the scoreboard. Exactly. Well, I think I think from a set from for me from a aesthetics point of view, it it was pit, pit, Finn's kick was pinpoint accurate. Yeah, that's the way I would. That's the way I was going to go. I mean, it, it, you you you've got to get on a on a pin to get it in the right place for the uh, for the winger to, to catch. You're kicking it between the posts. It was a lengthy kick, but you've got the width of the posts. Much more much more room to to play with if you like. Um, and if you're talking about the impact. I think both of them have got a big impact. There's the reasons we just said about Hoggy's drop goal, but um, the, uh, Finn's cross kick got the ball rolling, and I think you know, in the context of the game, that was a, a, probably the biggest moment. So yeah, agreed. So once again, the general public are wrong. Um, if we move on, we'll move on to the replacements then, uh, which is a sensible name that Scotland give to the people that sit on the bench. Um, I suppose it's worth. I'm not going to go through them every single one because some had more impact than others. Rory, um, I think the big one talking point for me is the 68 minutes that Gordy Reid played. Yeah. And there's, there's some, there may be some debate. Yeah, it's this is the thing for me when I've thought about this is I don't think Gordy Reid has got enough credit coming into this World Cup for the work that he's done to get where he is, and. You, you look at this guy, this this is a guy who has moved home to be back with his family because his family didn't settle in London, has dropped down to play for Ayrshire Bulls and, you know, as much as, you know, the, the Super 6, I'm sure, will be a fantastic competition. It's not professional. You know, he's dropping down to play semi-professional rugby, which is a huge hit on, 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 on his income. And yet he's got himself in a condition for a prop. I, I mean, you know, he's, he's in his 30s, Gordy Reid. All right, aye. Yeah. In his thirties, has got himself in a condition where he can go out and play sixty-eight minutes of rugby in conditions like that, and see the game out, and still be you know, and and cruelly deny the try as well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that was an, that was another one um, where I was screaming at the telly, going, "Gordy, that should have gone out wide. What have you done there?" Um, and then later on, you see that actually there was some Simone villainy at, at work, and, uh, and he was he was cruelly denied. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've I've marked him as mercurial. He, he's come out at a six, but that's maybe maybe harsh. But again, it was the it was the the, the marks on and then the marks off thing. Uh, he did a lot that was good, but there were a few uh, mistakes. And he certainly he seemed to be um, he was maybe getting the sh- the short end of of the referee at the at the scrum scrum time as well. Yeah, add up that to nine. Yeah. Me. Not not if, if for nothing else for his banter with a taxi driver on Twitter this morning where he was uh, <laughs> he was dry, he was in a taxi in Japan and posted a video of him uh using his translation machine to ask the tra- taxi driver what time you're getting off the night. <laughs> was it busy in town tonight? Uh, yeah. Is that your in cab? You've been busy. That was the other question. You've been busy. <laughs> I like that. I wonder, if, I wonder if Japanese taxi banter is the same. You know, is taxi banter the same the world over? I, I would, I would imagine so. Have you been long shift? You just getting on, or are you just coming off? Aye. Um, but yeah, he's doing good work in in uh, pushing to become uh, the UK's next Japanese ambassador. Is is Gordon oh, Reid well, spreading spreading the the joy that is? Um, anybody else worth mentioning in the replacements? I mean, there was the. Did did anybody hear the the music that that um, George Horn entered onto the pitch with? No, it was this. 
I think this should become a thing. It was an effort to get the crowd to shout it back, but I think that it, it was as he walked on the pitch. I think that needs to become a thing at War- Glasgow Warriors. Hornito. Yeah. If not that, then Osolo Mio, as we discussed last week. Um, I thought he he was really controlled and composed when he came on, and yeah. I think you know you can we kind of alluded to in the preview podcast the temptation for someone like George Horn to come on and force things because they know what they can do must be really high. So to see that level of composure was quite encouraging, Rory. Yeah, um, the, like I said, the, his, his box kick, the clearance kick was pretty good. Um, he was, quick, you know, he's quick. He's, a, he's always quick to the ruck when he's not at the bottom of it. Um, and yeah, and his, his pass was pass was pretty pretty rapid. Um, I pretty much everyone on the bench. I think Fraser Brown have given a seven to Gordy Reid's now been upgraded to six and a half. You'll be pleased to hear. Good. Um, Cummings and Horn six and a half, and everyone else is a six. But then Wilson, Hastings, and Taylor, um, you know, they weren't really on the on the pitch that much. Yeah, one thing I would say, Sandy, I don't know if you agree with this, is is Scott Cummins' work in the mall. I think has been overlooked because he's he's doing that thing that we haven't really had anybody do before for Scotland, but that the, the likes of Alan Wynne Jones are very good at doing, and Maro Torji are good at doing, which is dragging in opposition bodies, you know, reaching over and dragging guys into the mall. And Cummins does that really well. And I think it's something that's often overlooked. I have to be honest, as I, as I, I didn't pick it up, to be honest, uh, Cammy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're right, but it's uh, um, it's perhaps was just too subtle for me <laughs> um, during the game. Uh, I mean, I, I like him. I think he works hard and, 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 and makes a difference. Um but uh, um, that detail is escaping. Do you me. think? Do you think he's he's a, he's maybe pushing to be a starter in the Japan game? Um, I think after after Monday and the performances, uh, uh, Gilchrist and, uh, and Gray, it's further away than it probably was. Maybe, yeah. um, and I think you're going to want him to be starting against. Russia, so yeah. I don't know whether he's, he's still on the bench just just because of probably the, the sort of uh, timings and logistics of it, to be honest. Um, but uh, he's not. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think he's very far away at all. And uh, and you know another another poor game from you know either uh, Gilchrist or Gray. And I think you're, you 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 might find himself assuming we get to the quarters. It might be for the quarters. Yeah, um, we, we've got a couple of we do a kind of game specific hands in the ruck because people say we send the hands in the ruck in and, and it seems daft to deal with it in in the uh, bit at the end of the podcast. So we've had a couple of ones specific to the game. Um, Simon Devon said his hands in the ruck are Scotland players trying to make miracle offloads instead of growing through the phases, given the slippery conditions. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the there was an element of feeling things out, wasn't there, Rory? Yeah, um, I mean, I love a miracle offload myself, but yeah, I can see why it's not necessarily the greatest idea. Didn't I mean Finn? Finn had a few, few nice little out the back door passes. Uh, one, one of them at least worked. Didn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you can you can see that there there is a definite argument that Scotland need to be slightly more pragmatic and then choose the times to unleash. I mean, um, you guys were talking about it on the on the pod uh, one of the pods last week. You know, you look at the All Blacks and it's that uh, it's. You know the, their approach is not that different. It's just their execution is better. They choose when they, you know, they chase their kicks. They they execute their kicks better. Um, 
they choose their time to they choose their moment to attack, which is quite often a counter attack rather than just you know random kind of first phase second phase ball. Yeah, um, Sandy, I'll put this one to you. It's Hamish Allen who rather controversially and wrongly suggests that Scotland are better served with Richie at seven than Hamish Watson. Although Richie can't match Watson's carrying, his link play is fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, they're not the same. They're not the same player. I mean, they, they fulfil many of the same criteria, but they're not the same player. And, um, uh, and I think it's the back row on Monday as a unit was probably altogether better than the unit against Ireland. You know, regardless of the fact that uh, that uh, Mish was off early, but. Um, I mean, how good would it be if you've if you've got uh, Watson and uh, Richie to to come on, or or vice versa, depending on the the. Uh, I think no, I would still. If you're just talking purely in the terms of a six, I would have uh, I would have uh, Hamish first. I suppose the dream ticket, Rory, though, because given I mean Hamish Watson's 27, so he's got another World Cup in him. Clearly, you know, I tell you, what, 31 at the next World Cup. Okay. So, so you've got a dream ticket of what? Watson at seven, Richie at six, and Bradbury at eight. That would be my probably my dream ticket. I think uh, you'd probably get some Glasgow fans who would argue that Bigerson would be at eight. Um, I mean, Tom- Thompson's what twenty eight now, so we may not see him no. around the the next World Cup. Hopefully, get. Oh, thirty two. I mean, I suppose it's for, form dependent. It's thir- thirty two. I mean, how, John Barkley is John Barkley thirty two this World Cup? Thirty three, I think. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it it depends. I mean, I suppose the good thing though is that we 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 still have such strength and depth in the back row, uh, Rory. That that the all these guys are pushing each other on. So although we say yeah. Watson, Richie, and yeah. Bradbury, you know, Bradbury's got to up his game because he's got you know he's he's got Ferguson breathing down his neck. Potentially, you've got Callum Gibbons coming into the reckoning, perhaps yeah. you know on, on residency. Then you've got Blade Thompson st- potentially still around for the next World Cup if he's only going to be thirty-two. So all of this, it, it you know, guys are going to have to step up and play consistently well in order to to, to sort of like nail their name to that shirt, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those um, it's one of those things that you know you're following. Uh, Following the following the team and the, the players, you know, since the, the year of say Ross Rennie or Joe Ansborough, actually, what you work out is you're probably never going to get your ideal fifteen together. And then, you know, when you do look what happens, they played Ireland and they were they were rubbish, and it turned out the ideal fifteen wasn't that fifteen. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, the ideal fifteen, right, would be would be that that the, sorry, the ideal back row would be that one that you, you suggested, but. Chances of them all being fit and informed at the same time. Figerson looks a great talent, so yeah, if he's if he's the if he's the guy, then then he's the guy. Um, but at least having having four or five or five or six or seven, you know, great back rows, all challenging for the place. They're all young guys, mo- uh, most of them. Um, you know, the f- the future is looking pretty good. I mean, there's there's other guys that that probably won't get talked about much while we're in World Cup mode. But once we go back to Pro 14, you know, guys like um, Lewis Carmichael. Um, you know the the young guys uh, coming through coming through Glasgow as well. Um, there's 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 another generation out there as well. Guys like um, Matt Smith who might you know might bit of game time might might find some form. Um, so yeah, the the future future is really bright. I think Magnus's biggest problem actually in terms of what he'd be 
uh, Scotland's eight is that uh, he's going to have to dislodge um, Balmata at Edinburgh first because if he doesn't get to play there often enough, it's yeah. going to be hard to pick him, particularly if Matt Fagerson's getting picked at eight for Glasgow. So it's uh, that's and that that's tough. Um, yeah, I think I suppose the interesting thing that, that from the Bill Matt point of view is that is how much Ember are willing to rotate him, almost treat him like a, a, a Scotland player, I guess. And that that was the when when he was sort of spoken to about the reason why he wanted to stay at Ember Sandy was that was a big attraction to him that he wasn't going to be flogged like he might be in France. Yeah, perhaps not, but he certainly got he got flogged for pretty heavily when he was around last season. And I mean, hopefully, we're as the season goes on and we go back to club rugby, that there will be more of a a chance for him because. Um, to to be rested and uh, and give others a shot. I mean, Magnus obviously be be back, but uh, I mean, I know we're not talking Pro 14, but uh, um, just in the early stages, uh, Nick Heenan that they've brought in actually looks like a half decent option as well. So there's a, and I think that's been the problem is that I don't think Cockrell's been convinced by any of his alternates um, whilst they. Um, Bill's not been available, so and maybe now he'll have a wee bit he'll have a chance to, to to settle somebody else in and be comfortable with that, and that maybe make a difference there. But in terms of who, how much game time that uh, you know, particularly Magnus Burberry will get at number eight. Yeah, um, that's probably enough for the game for just now. Uh, shall we move on? We'll do this now. Well, we It is Where's Dougie Donnelly? And we've had a submission this week from David Hutchinson. Uh, he saw Enbra's new Fijian, uh, Mesulami Kunavula. I said well that right. Wow, thank you. <laughs> uh, he was getting his hair cut beside David, uh, and David said that A, he is massive, and B, B, his fade is sharp. I assume that is something that young people have on their hair. Uh, I just normally go into a barber's and point at a picture on the wall and say something like that, please. Um, that's my normal. I hope it's not Duncan Taylor's barber. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Um, I, there's no pictures of Hellraiser on. Uh, is that? See, look like Duncan Taylor. It's not Hellraiser. I'm thinking of the guy from Ghostbusters Two. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. It was in Alan Field. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that. That that's the words. Dougie Donnelly. Uh, it's the section of the podcast where we ask you to send in anybody you have seen out and about. Um, we'll move on quickly. We're going to do this next. Scottish Rugby Blog, Fantasy Six Nations League. That 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 jingle does go on for far too long, but I'm not going to apologise for it. Um, oh, yeah. We look at I the. Um, it does say it does say six. I need to edit it. Yeah, it's it's our fantasy league. Um, we st- I still don't really understand how this is working. Stuart Schiller, thank you very much for sending us the long explanation as to how this works. Um, but from what I can tell. Um, we've no rankings at all. I'm 90 out of 164 in our pool. Yeah, I'm, 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 120. You're 120. Nearly neck and neck. Yeah. You, where are you, Rory? I'm 119. 
So. Um, yeah, congratulations to Kikugadav. No, not congratulations to Kikugadav. He doesn't have any Scots in his play team. This is the rules oh. we have. In order to yeah. be top of our thing, uh, you have to have at least one Scot in your team in each round. Um, no arms T-Rex tackler gets a well-deserved red. That's Baldy Pete. Has he got any Scott? No. Oh, he's got Hog. He's got Hog in. So well okay. done. You're currently top of the pool. Um, we are all doing absolutely terribly, mainly because <laughs> none of us have a clue how this is working. I no. Yeah, the, the, you have to be, I think you have to be really on the ball because the rounds are switching over quickly. Um this this next round coming up, if you haven't loaded your team with All Blacks, you're not probably going to do well because the All Blacks are playing, I think, uh, Canada and Namibia yeah. both in the space of one round. So I've tried to stack as many in. That'll be the wrong. So. I, yeah, I think my main mistake was that I didn't wait until the um, South Africa team had been named and I, I selected Faf de Klerk at nine and then he yeah. wasn't in the team at all. So I got no points. I, I had, uh, I had. Johnny May, who's I don't think has played yet. So I did so ask. To be fair, I think the only my only saving grace is I uh, chose Joe Cockersinger as my captain this week. So I got fifty yes. points. I think that's all my points that I got this week. From that. I'm just gonna have a look. Have a look for uh, have a look for some, um, some good good names, good team names. Uh, Craig Joubert and the Heartbreakers. Oh, that's very good. Eddie Butler's deflated hubris. That's very good. Although he's probably not deflated at the moment, the way Wales are going. Um, let's have a look what else have we got um, uh, a lot of these of course are um, you get named don't you with with some sort of random yeah. name in a Finn Russell Athletic Finn, That's uh, on brand open for sponsorship there um section i like it oh like that's it. very, good. very, good, very there's good. a there's yep. a t-shirt there's a t-shirt in there begging to be made isn't there we need a, is there a third horn cuz like two horns not really a horn section no, we need to, we need I, I think we need three horns. Yeah. Then then there's a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we've got well, yeah, we've got a insanity. Um so yeah, well done everybody for being better than us. Yeah. Uh, as as <laughs> always. It's a long list. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and thank you Stuart for trying to explain to us how it worked. Um I read that explanation and, and I'm still doing absolutely absolutely terribly. Um, uh, I would just like to an honourable mention to um, to Clarkey, who is just beside us in the league table for his team name, Thompson Taylor Seymour Spy. Oh, that's very strong! Good. Very good. Congratulations <laughs> to that. Yeah, and we're all we're both beating Al Sandy. So, oh, that's, I feel okay then. <laughs> he was probably he was in Japan though, so he probably had yeah. <laughs> right. an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, well, we'll move on to our final section, which is this. <laughs> Yes, it is Hands in the Rock or any other business section of the podcast. Thank you to everyone who's uh, sent one in. Uh, we had the Border Badger who said that his Hands in the Rock this week is dangerous side entries at the Rock. There was a video of this of a couple of Samoans uh, smashing uh, Johnny Gray, um, for, uh, bo- both coming in very much at the side. Um, you can't, As somebody pointed out on Twitter, you can't both come through the gate at the same time. Um and somebody else, uh, he also pointed out the, the Key and Healy uh, hit on the Mish. Although, as I think we pointed out last week, that was mainly 
uh, Scotland's fault for leaving the Mish completely exposed. Um, Andy Bailey uh, got in touch on Twitter to say, his hands in the ruck is the nationality Rubik's Cube that is Big Jim Hamilton. <laughs> um, this kind of links to my hands in the ruck, I guess, is that I I have a lot of time for Big Jim Hamilton away from the rugby pod. Um, I would hope that we can show that you can do a good rugby podcast, still do the odd knob joke yeah. now and again, <laughs> But it doesn't have to, yeah exactly. There's room for that. There is a space, a safe space to make those kinds of innuendo style style jokes. But it, it doesn't have to make up ninety percent of your content. You can also talk about rugby. Um, and I thought I I I liked him on ITV. I thought he did really well. I particularly enjoyed his um, Clive Woodward baiting. Um, for those for those that, that didn't good. for those that didn't see this, this was superb. It was uh, Serena McGeek and Clive Woodward and Jim Hamilton and. Uh, Jim Hamilton spent the entire time calling Serene McGeekin Serene and Clive Woodward Clive. And somebody had obviously had a word, because um, Clive Woodward kept shooting him daggers, had had a word at the end of the game and said, look, can you please call him Sir Clive? Because that's what we're all calling him. And then Jim said, as Clive, I mean Sir Clive, was saying. <laughs> made a very pointed, very pointed um uh, attempt to say Sir Clive, but no, I, th- I thought he's been I thought he's been good value, and and the stuff he does for Rugby Pass, as much as that website uh, lets itself down massively with um, their meme game and uh, trying to single out and target Scotland with hate clicks, um, <laughs> some of the content that they produce in terms of the documentaries and stuff that Jim Hamilton does is very good. You know the stuff they've, he's done about guys who play for. You know, come along and, and qualify on residency, and how that feels to play for another country. They did World Cup memories, and there was a really good interview that Jim Hamilton had done, kind of off camera with with. I think he wasn't sort of on camera, Jim Hamilton, but he was obviously off camera doing it uh, with Gavin Hastings about how he felt about 1991. I think it was one of the first times he'd watched it back, and he does a lot of good. He just lets himself down with the knob jokes. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I've stopped listening to it for that very reason. Are they still doing that? Yes. Still... Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much, very much so. <laughs> Even the little clips they put out where they try to show that they try to discuss rugby it always ends it open, opens or ends with an ob joke. And then there'll be a con- bit in the middle where they discuss how much money somebody's got. So yeah. Usually... I can't understand now, unless uh, Andy Good is one of these financiers that's trying to short the pound. I'm not entirely sure that I would I would trust he's a financial advisor, isn't he? I'm not entirely yeah. sure I would I would trust the financial advisor that says that Brexit is good when all 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 evidence is is very not that we get too political on this podcast, but all evidence would be to the contrary. Uh, but it seems to keep tweeting that it's it's a good thing and we should get on with it. So um yeah. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's he's perfectly qualified for his job if he's trying to short the pound, maybe. Um Rory, your hands before I get sued by Andy Good, your hands in the ruck. Um. Yeah, I. I did have one, but it's skip skip my skip my mind. Um, I will uh, I will make something up quickly. My hands in ruck would be the fact that. Come back to me. I'll think of one. You, I'll come you, back to you. you, you we, we, I've, I've got one. Go, go on, on then. Go with you, go with you, Sand. Go. On, we'll go with you, Sandy. <laughs> Well, it's it's so funnily enough, it's also podcast related because I was struggling this afternoon to think of something until I got in the car and was listening to uh, Brian Moore's thing on the way home, and the uh, the loving for Japan is really starting to grate now. 
Um, the, the underdog, the, the poor downtrodden underdog, wouldn't it be so romantic if they managed to beat the mighty rugby nation Scotland? Well, I mean, I just had a wee look. I thought, is this really what, you know, let's look at the facts. Japan has 125,000 rugby players. Now, we all know this week how many Scotland have got, and it's not even 38,000. They've got 3,600 rugby clubs. don't think we've got that many. They've got the fourth largest rugby playing population in the world, out of a, a, a national population of 126 million. And they're currently eighth in the world, and we're ninth. So, I mean, should we just roll over and let them win just for the, for the romance of the cup? Um, uh, or, you know, or is it our fault that they've been playing the game as long as we have? 1866, and aren't a top-tier side yet. Yeah, it's just a bit boring now. You know, yeah. I, I can't be bothered with the with the underdog nation of 126 million being poor at rugby. No, I, and yeah. it's it's interesting what David Barnes was saying earlier that that uh, the Japanese would be embarrassed by that themselves. You know that they're a very like you've seen, they're a very humble nation. They're not getting ahead of themselves. You know they they understand where things are going. They're just all about having a good time. So this this isn't coming from Japan. Yeah. This is very much coming from other nations, and it's the same as you say, Sandy. It's the same countries that call for Scotland to be kicked out of the Six Nations. It's the same countries that think that Georgia should be admitted into the Six Nations ahead yeah. of Scotland. It's the same countries that put out anti-Scottish memes on the internet. You know, slagging Scotland off long after you know we've been beaten by Ireland. It's it, it it's the same old stuff, isn't it? It's just it's Scotland aren't good enough. Scotland shouldn't be anywhere near a rugby club. You're not a tier one nation. Go away. Let's have somebody else in like Japan. And I say, well, actually, no, it's not. You know, it doesn't yeah. work like that. We're we we we're, we're punching above our weight. We're doing far yes. better. Even the Samoan stuff annoyed me. I think it's you know I, I've got a lot of time for um for for, for Samoan rugby and, and the difficulties that, that the 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 Fijians and the Samoans and the Tongans have in terms of their infrastructure, in terms of putting teams out and getting guys together and being you know, and all the exploitation that goes on with France and and the likes of, of young players. But I was it. It was disheartening, and I think it, it didn't do them any favors to see some Samoan fans complaining about the, you know, the the, the double yellow and red card and the penalty yes. tries, because they were they were they were absolutely clear as day penalty tries. There's no referee in tier one conspiracy here. I know I know we've got John Jeffries on the World Rugby Board, the referees, but I, you know I don't think other than that I don't think we've got much any more influence than anyone else in the world. I know we. The Irish might think differently about how we voted for the World Cup, but you know <laughs> they're still taking that personally. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think you know it's not you know that that we're as we're as much underdogs as anybody else in all yeah. of this, and we yeah. yeah you know we've got the funding we but we also we I think more recently we spent our money better, we've invested better, we've got better coaching. Um infrastructure in place and when you look at the Samoans and you know their coaches are saying we 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 are, we are coaching our guys to tackle like this in a way that gets us yellow cards it's like well you know that's maybe 
there's maybe something you want to think about, lads. You know, it's not, you can't blame <laughs> world rugby if you, you know, if you're not teaching your players how to tackle properly or in line with the things. So, no, I'd agree. With, I think we, I think it's a good shout, Sandy. I could go on a wee coaching course with uh, Michael Checker. Yeah, exactly. A re-edu- what, what would you call it? a re-education? Yeah, like uh, yeah, community service on. Check like, it. Have to sit, have to it. I have to sit in a room with Nigel Owens. Telling you anecdotes, these celebrity anecdotes, whilst also training you. Right, I'm going to check it yourself before you wreck it yourself. Anyway, roll your hands <laughs> in the rock. I've, I've, yeah, I've come up with one now. Um, it's largely Scotland's performance against Ireland, but it's for the reason that it means that the chances of Scotland and Japan being the two that go through to the group are a lot harder because I think that would be kind of hilarious. Um, I got Kevin to crunch some numbers for me, basically because he's better at maths than me. And uh, the most delicious scenario seems to be uh, one of Ireland's remaining games being cancelled due to a typhoon <laughs> and then and booked as a draw. Then the maximum points they could get to would be 13. Um, Japan could then beat that with a bonus point win versus Russia and need nothing for the game versus Scotland. We'd need two wins and one more bonus point to get to 14 so that's you know in head heart and arse that's the heart scenario but uh, <laughs> deeply unlikely is there still an option there where Alan end up fourth um, I don't know no, I don't think they would do I think because because Samoa so, no. you know, Samoa got five points no they could do Samoa in the last two games well, no. Samoa beat them yeah Samoa, Samoa beat, beat them. them yeah that's true with the bonus point um, so uh, looking at the maths though did, did Kevin work out so we I mean, we know we have to win our last two games with bonus points. Are yeah. we? If uh, we have to stop Japan getting a losing bonus point, is that right against us? Ideally, yeah, I think ideally. Um, that that's that's the best. That would represent the best that we can do, I think. Um, and if that's not good enough, then that's not good enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Ireland lose either of their remaining games, which are Samoa and Russia, so unlikely. Um, but uh, you know, you'd hope that Samoa are going to turn up for one of their remaining games. Yeah. Um, Japan have also got still to play. Japan played Samoa. Yeah. Japan no. has played no, no. Japan haven't played Samoa either. Yeah. And there's still, I suppose, yeah. there's still the prospect that you know we made hard work of getting the bonus point against Samoa. So there's no reason why Ireland or Japan, in similar circumstances, although Japan maybe more ad- have adapted better to the conditions than uh, Ireland or Scotland. Um, you know, they 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 might struggle to get the bonus point win as well. So there is hope. There is hope. Let's see how that pans out. Um, we are going to be uh off until next Wednesday. Where are you? You're um you've booked days off, haven't you, Rory, for the for every Scotland game? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's our plan, because I am likewise. Uh, free on the Wednesday of the Russia game. I think the, the plan for the next podcast is that Rory and me and possibly anybody else that's available uh, due to demand of one person on the comment section of the blog will try and record a podcast almost straight away after the Russia game once the yeah. match reports up we'll try and, and coordinate that um, that will constitute our review of that game, a preview of the Japan game and then we'll hopefully be after the uh, back after the Japan game with with some good news um, and looking ahead to not looking ahead to what's happening in the Pro 14 but looking ahead to what's happening in the quarterfinals um, now that we are back on track now that things are we are happy 
uh, a happy lot of support in Scotland. It is, it is of course, time to push our unofficial World Cup scorn song for Scotland in aid of uh, my name is Doddy's Foundation. We we are above. We've broken two hundred pounds in terms of money raised on this. We'd like to raise much much more. Um, it's called "We'll Still Enjoy the Saki." You can hear a sample of it at the end of this podcast. If you go to the website, you can find out details of how to buy that on our Bandcamp site. It's £4, so it's not very much. It's the price of a pint of beer. Um, not even the price of a pint of beer these days. Less less than the price of a pint of beer in some places, depending on where you drink. Um, but do go on there. You can pay more than £4 if you want to. Uh, please go on, buy the song while we're still winning. Um Let's see how far we can take that. Um, I understand that the Scotland team have been singing uh, after their victory against Samoa. Um, I'm going to claim that they were singing We'll Still Enjoy the Saki, just just in the hope that it, it improves sales. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get some confirmation of that. But for the moment, and until next Wednesday, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and Sandy. Hello, Hello folks. Goodbye. Oh, you canny shift the mesh off the ball. No, you canny shift the mesh off the ball. He'll run rings around your crew because he's a pinball wizard too. No, you canny shift the mesh off the ball. Singing, we're gonna win the World Cup. Oh, yes, we're gonna win the World Cup. And even if we can, we'll still enjoy the sake. We're gonna win the World Cup. Oh, here he comes. So bring back Doogie Dolly on the BBC. He's stupendous, he's tremendous, he's the best. Gabby Logan, Sonny McLaughlin, no, you really cannot knock them. But Doogie's so much better than the rest. So bring back Doogie Dolly on the BBC His cancellation really was a farce Dan Walker, Jake Ball, no they don't have it at all And you can stick your Inverdale up your one, two, three, four Here he comes the famous dancing fin Oh here he comes the famous dancing fin he will throw an old look pass and he'll leave you on your arse. Oh, here comes the famous dancing fin. Singing, we're as one, we're fucking blue. Oh, yes, we're as one, we're fucking blue. Oh, we're gonna boo your kicker and hope he misses a sitter. Yes, we're 